Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Insane in the membrane. Morning, Ed. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you what, it's just the future is supposed to be, we're supposed to, this technology is supposed to be aiding us and making our lives better. But just a simple I, case, just logging on. I, th- I think it's not aiding us, it's aging us, is what it's doing. It's like, <laughs> what is happening? It's, it's honestly, I wanted to tell you what I could see, but actually, all I needed to do was restart everything, pretty much like anything in life. Just switch it off and switch mm. it on again. Oh man, it's the, it's yeah. I I know what you mean. You this is what happens. You remember when you were younger and like your nan or somebody would be dealing with some kind of technology, and then they're going like, "Oh, I don't know how it works." And you go, "Oh, you're so old. God, give it here." And now we're that. Like you've just said, it's like, "Oh, I don't." It's what? just I can't. I'm really but, worried about that because. I do know that, you know, that feeling where you obviously are helping someone who isn't as quite technology efficient. You think, oh, I'm always going to keep with the times. I'm always going to be with it. But even there are now nuances with social media that are cropping up and your brain doesn't almost have the power to deal with it. You know, you look at all the things like on Instagram and all the different things you can do on it now. And uh, and people are sort of embracing all these different ways of doing things. You know, it was before we were like, well, I remember when you just did a post and it was just some text and it was on Facebook and like now it's, we, we can, I can feel it creeping in. Yeah. They're just little things like I noticed they've on Instagram, they've swapped the, the like, add to store, add to whatever. Uh, they've swapped the button around and now it threads is the first one. So you'll end up, you'd end up, you got to put something up and then it will send you to threads and you're going, I just, can I? <laughs> I don't want to they've do done, that. They've done that for people like you and me who are just going to click it by mistake and then maybe <laughs> think we'll do something on threads. Yeah. And then, well, well, what happens is you click on it and you go, what's this? Oh, threads. I forgot that was still a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just so many. So, uh, a friend of mine, Alistair Barry, uh, a comedian colleague yeah. of ours, um, he sent me a link to Blue Sky, which is another app that a lot of the journalists use. And you're like, yeah, but I don't, I, I'm having trouble keeping up with all these things. It's like a day now where you're just posting stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's, it's that, so Blue Sky's another sort of, what, Twitter-esque app, is it? Yeah, it is, is yeah, but it's right. for more, it's more, it, it's less, it's less about fighting and it's more about, it's like there are more, there are better red people on there, it seems. <laughs> right, okay. But you're right, there's only so much space in your life for so many apps and social media stuff but it's basically they're like friends there's only so many you can have <laughs> yeah. yeah and just because you can't keep up with them all you're just like oh shit yeah. i haven't i haven't spoken to that friend for a while i need to and then you and then you get into your own head oh it's been too long now maybe maybe we're not friends anymore <laughs> just... exactly yeah it's, it's it's just like you know maybe maybe it's time that I leave Friends United where it is, you know, just. <laughs> yeah. Re- <laughs> Re- uh, not Ununited or <laughs> whatever it is. What's the opposite of Reunited? Um, um, what disunited? Uh, disunited? Um, I feel like I should know. Non-union? <laughs> un- un- Mal-union? <clears throat> Mal-union is a very medical term, so oh, I'll stick with Mal-union. <laughs> yeah. Mal-union, that sounds... Mal-union's yeah, a poor union. Mal-union's a union, but not a good union, so... 
Oh, I see. It sounds yeah. like something's come loose, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh. sounds very orthopedic, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, oh, your feet are now. Yeah, you're very malunioned. But why don't you? I mean, you're an anaesthetist. Do you ever feel like just anaesthetizing yourself? Just going, do you know what? I'll just switch off for a couple of hours. Well, I, you know, I I think this is a really timely appearance on your podcast because if you remember last week, we were meant to be doing this recording yes and I just had one of those periods where lots of things started adding up and it was just pandemonium in the end so as as an anaesthetist in like uh you know as, as a registrar you're still a junior doctor so you're still moving around different specialties so I, you know I spent a few months in you know uh, neuroanesthesia brain surgery then moving on to cardiac then moving on to another one and I just moved to another one as well so at that point you're getting to grips with a new environment, new part of hospital, mm. new colleagues, new senior colleagues, wow. um, consultants, you, people you want to impress. And it's a massive cognitive overload trying to get all that in. And people show you around. But you know when people show you around, like you go to a hotel and say, oh, do you want to do you want to see where the swimming pool is and everything? And you go around, you're like, oh, yeah. And then you have no idea where yeah. they just took you. And it takes you a couple of days. To kind of, It's a bit like that. I always describe it when you start working in a new department in a hospital. It's like working in a supermarket that you've never worked in before, but you're expected to know where everything is. So there's this constant, <laughs> this constant face of, like, oh, yes, everything. And I just had one of those days where everything just felt like a calamity. You know, everything just felt like, oh, God, everything's mm. so difficult. And it went on and then I found out because the other thing is we've done some massive uh, life changing things in the last uh, while. So I got uh, engaged and then married oh, and then we, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And then we got a house and then we, so we moved into the house and then we had loads of stuff done. And so, so then it turned out that after that late night, we then were having uh, just by the last minute that carpet people were coming. We're like, oh my goodness, it's freezing. We need the carpet sort of thing. So, so suddenly there's going to be loads of banging with them, like knocking. So I was like, right, that. And then just to top everything off, <clears throat> we got a new puppy as well. Not yesterday, oh day, but we, we found one, yeah. And the puppy had just had, you know, got really sick and just poo everywhere, essentially. So it was like the puppy had just was the final straw. Yeah. Everything. So it was like there was only so much your brain and your body could take in at that point. And at that point, I was like, yes, and an anaesthetic would be very nice indeed. <laughs> well, I was happy I could offer some in the way of like, hey, let's just do this next week. You know, it, it, it's, it's a, at the end of the day, I love this podcast. I love doing this podcast. But if there's other things going on, we can we can shift things around. It's not, you know, we'll always get we'll always get there. It's yeah. always fine. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's why there's a few times. I'll get ready to do this and I'm all set up and ready. Like I'll set up the night before I'm ready to go. And it, it's like, it's like everybody in the world goes, Oh, Rich is about to do something. Hey, let's just throw things at him. And you're going, why are you? And like the other day there was like, I don't know how many people turned up at the door, but you're like, who turns up at the door? <laughs> who does that now? Unless you're a delivery driver. Yeah, exactly. Who, who ordered this Amazon? Oh, I did. Right, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you forget. It's like you blame everyone else, but it's yourself. That's what you used to. Although there was a period last week, so it was bang on the time I think we were meant to recording. And as I said, the carpet poo went. So there was loads of banging and I was clearing up poo as well. And I just thought, you know what? This actually probably would have made a really good episode visually. If nothing yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> just this slapstick kind of stuff going on around no. you. Honestly, I want to carry on with the recording. <laughs> Just <laughs> scooping up feces whilst there's lots of knocking going on. <laughs> Rolls of carpet whirling around. Um, so, yeah, I've never spoken to an, an anaesthetist. How, how do you say it? Anaesthetist. I thought I'd nailed it. I was going to, not many people do get to speak to them. It's too, it's too no. late after you've met them. They're suddenly asleep. That's, the, that's yeah. how we like to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're in maternity, obviously, and you and you're having a baby, then you'll stay, hopefully stay awake for the baby being delivered. So, well, yeah. Well, do you know what? This is we. So our baby is two weeks old. Oh wow! Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. And the anaesthetist then was excellent. He was so so chilled, and was and because they found out that we were comedians, my wife and I, and so they were effing and jeffing in the thing, and it was just it was so funny. It was the best. It was the best delivery room I've ever been in. It was so good. Best, 
better than any comedy clubs, you mean? It was really fun. Everyone was up for it. <laughs> we had the, we we had uh, we had a, a playlist that we chose that we put together, and then and they were just cracking jokes, and and it was such a chilled vibe because my wife was really nervous. Brilliant, because it's her her first kid, and it and we were having, we were having a C section, so you know she was she was a bit bit nervous, and and it was excellent. It was so funny. It was great. It was really great. And they were it's when it goes. When it goes well, it's 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 really it's a lovely mm. experience, and um, it's a case of it, you know things don't look great. You, you you act quickly and you move quickly and yeah. you try to keep everyone calm because part of part of um, you know the whole process is trying to keep people sort of calm. It's a joyful experience. It's one of the few things in medicine where it's something joyful. You're coming in and you're going to go out with an extra person, and that's such a yeah, joyful yeah. thing. So actually getting mother and a baby together as soon as possible all those kind of things it makes a huge difference um so you have to move very quickly and you want to keep that atmosphere if, if it's possible yeah. um it, but as a result it can be quite you know sort of challenging as well i i yeah it was yeah i haven't it did, so i haven't had a kid in the last time i had children was 26 years ago so this is so it's all completely different now and I, I they, they were just they were just a great bunch of people. They were really nice. And then when the baby came out, and my friends had said, "Don't look around the curtain." And of course, I had to have a look. And uh, it was like, "Oh my god, I'll never unsee that." Um, but they were really, and then they, and then they were like, "Right, we're gonna we're gonna sort mum out." So here's the baby. And then they took me into this other like the recovery room, and they sat me under this big oven. And then they were just dealing with with Kate and. It was just really nice, you know. I think because we watch, you know, we watch t t hospital dramas, and everyone's, you know, in in the OR, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's and you're just like, "Oh my god, hospitals seem stressful." Is it is it stressful? I think it is stressful. Yeah. There is there's there's times when like you've described, you can have something that's straightforward. You might have well, it's an elective cesarean section. Mm. It's all planned. There's no rush. We can take time. We can stop. Um, there's no threat to mother or baby. So, and and it's really nice and it, you know a joyful experience. But on the other extreme, you know, if there's a problem for mum or baby, and it, you know, it, it's the other end and it's a category one cesarean section, you've got to move fast. That's where you have a little bit of, um, you know, a situation awareness. You want to keep people as calm as possible. There is a bit of poker face because you you wanted to do things quickly, but also in a, a way that's calm and processed. So, it you, you you flip between very quickly, and in something like maternity, it moves on very quickly because once mum's delivered and is okay, and then taken her through recovery, there's always another baby coming. There's always another, yeah. there's, a, there's a there's a whole sort of belt of uh, children coming along <laughs> that, you know, and you've got to you've got to go back next it's not it's like the generation game but you've got to do every single one well they were this is it they were so we because it was an elective so they were saying right uh so get to the hospital for seven in the morning and then we'll put you in a room and then we'll let you know when it's going to happen so yeah you've, it's like you've taken a number at the deli and then they go yeah but then there might be someone that comes in who needs emergency uh meat so you might get your number might get pushed along a bit. <laughs> so it came in and there was a there was a couple of emergencies. So we had to wait. So, we, so it was like one o'clock in the afternoon by the time we were seen. But then they and then yeah, so they then they were sort of Kate out, gave me the baby, and then they went, right, we need to get through this. Someone's coming in with triplets. And we were like, What? What? Just yeah, it was like this conveyor belt of people. But that, that's the word I was looking for before, conveyor belt. I couldn't yeah, think yeah, yeah. what conveyor was. <laughs> And how how long was the whole process? Do you think? Um, not long. We in, in compared to the the first child I ever had, that took that was a they induced a, they she was having contractions on the one morning and then nothing happened, so I went home and then they induced her the next day and then she was in labour for most of the day and then in the evening the, he was born and and then so it took a couple of days. Whereas this was kind of right right. The, elect the elected cesareans on this day will have it done by this time, yeah. and then by you know by sort of seven, eight o'clock in the evening, you're in you're up in the up on the ward and you're just chilling and. I mean, that's, that's the uh, yeah, that's a great great thing to great way to see it happen because, as I said, with the emergencies, you know, they yeah. categorise them. So if it's a 
this is a category one we need to go now it's baby out within 30 minutes so wow. you know that's a such a you think about it such a short amount of time to go from yeah. the room to the theater and then within a couple of minutes having a baby as well yeah 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 your head must be spinning at that point whereas we were kind of like i say very chilled got into it i will say this and i've said this a few times when i looked round and they were and because the, the baby was quite high up and i looked round honestly they were really they were really i'm not surprised that you're numb from like the chin down <laughs> Because they were really, really, like they were trying to get a sofa through a cat flap. They were really going for it. And you're like, what is going on? Yeah. So it's, it, we don't take, it doesn't take away the sort of rummaging, tugging, pulling, but it takes away the pain. But it's, yeah. it, I think for some people, it's difficult to get your head around that that could be the case, that you could be awake, you can be pain free, you can still feel some things going on, but you're comfortable as well and like you said you'll you might see what's going on you're like oh my goodness how is this how is this working is, <laughs> what is this black magic that's going on i think that's what i hear what is that, that what is anesthetic like what does it do i've never asked this before like was it did it shut down the pain receptors or whatever it is what does it do Yes, it depends where you're putting the anesthetic so if we were giving a general anesthetic we give drugs into a vein or we give gas and that makes you know that renders uncon you unconscious essentially and we may use muscle relaxants things like that um with this is in a, that particular way that is a local anesthetic is what we're using so <clears throat> have you ever had a local anesthetic in the skin or something like that to numb an area it's a similar yeah. kind of uh, it's a similar kind of drug we would use uh with some painkillers as well and we go to different spaces so if you in people joke in maternity and anesthetics well you're only going to do like one of three things and that's either a spinal anesthetic an epidural or you're going to do a general anesthetic so general anesthetic would be you know hopefully avoidable because you want basically you know baby and mum to be awake sort of thing so that right. would be sort of an extreme if there was a problem something else a spinal <clears throat> which is probably what you had if you had a, a elective cesarean so you've got a needle in the back um some local anesthetic there and then put the local anesthetic um into the space where you've got fluid surrounding the brain the csf and that goes in and that works in, you might have seen it worked really quickly like within a couple of minutes and then suddenly you don't move your legs as much and it just mm. the drugs there the local anesthetic just block those roots and uh, uh. then then that basically renders it pain-free now with an epidural you go into a space that's slightly um closer to you so you don't go as far and it's a, it's a space that you fill up with local anesthetic. So it doesn't have quite the same onset. It's, a, it's slower, mm. um, but it's, it will it will get there. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. People say, oh, well, you only got three things you're going to do. But the choices you make between doing those things in an emerging situation, obviously, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's huge. They're quite weighty, but with an elective uh, and doing it like that, it's quite it's quite good fun. Yeah, I it, it's so that's it's so, so local is just kind of like yeah. areas. And then, but general is Ooh. the whole thing. Yeah, so local, we, we call it regional anaesthesia. So yeah, local um, would be anything. So if someone was having, you know, like hip surgery, you could do a local anaesthetic as well, like a spine or something. And that would kind of numb the area from a certain uh, place. Mm. So with a with a, an obstetric, you know, with having a baby, you obviously want to numb it down from where they're going to be doing anything up there. So that's where, you, that's the level you want to get it to essentially. Um, but with a general anaesthetic, you're putting drugs into the vein, not into right. sort of certain areas. So that your vein is blood, you know, going around the entire body. So the anaesthetic um, will go into the brain and then make uh, people unconscious. So that's what people think of when they think of anaesthetics. Yeah, they don't think about the stuff like in maternity and stuff. So when we're there, so but then th this is the thing uh, you find that we're all over the place we're ubiquitous so we're in intensive care mm. we are in pain medicine as well we're helping children have scans uh and dealing with all different extremes of ages too so there's loads of different things with ancestors hence why you you know you do lots of training in different areas with it right and do you and then when you when you when you've done your training and you've, you come out the other side you've got all your qualifications do you then specialize in certain areas or do you just you're just an anesthetist and you do it all you yeah i think um that it's it's like uh when you start medicine there's this i described this the other day where one of the best days in medicine is like your first day at medical school because like you're like oh well i'm here 
and there's so much to know, but I don't need to know it now. And then every day onwards, it's just sort of like, oh my God, there's so much I need to know. And of course, like it's, it's impossible for you to know everything yeah. in medicine. So that's why you do have specialists. So like, you know, I always say like, you know, like a heart surgeon doesn't know anything about skin diseases, just like an orthopedic surgeon doesn't know anything. So on, yeah. the, um, <laughs> the, um, but the, the, uh, you specialize in anesthetics in certain things. So yeah, you might become in maternity or you might do brain surgery or you might do heart surgery and you'll do one of those things and maybe keep your wings spread with a couple of other things. But generally you'll have one or two things you end up doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. This is great. I've never been able to speak. I've never spoken to anyone before about this. This is wonderful. Um, when you... You want the drugs. That's what it is. Isn't it? It's what are the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to numb the pain, man. Um, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we we use cocaine as well. What? what? Like people, yeah, I know. Like we use cocaine, fentanyl. It's it's all it's all the cool stuff yeah, we end up uh, using. Is that just to get you through a shift? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's just when there's is. not any coffee left. <laughs> I'll just use a bit of this because there is a lot of stress. Stuff. Um, we you know there's a lot of pressure to to not just there's so much you need to know as you've just said when you get in your qualifications and then when you when you finally get your qualifications you come back the other side then there's the pressure there's like bureaucracy and red tape and and underfunding and things like that i mean we won't go into it because i want you to keep your job <laughs> but <laughs> you know it must be it must be hard it must be there is so much pressure on on nurses and doctors at the minute yeah it's, it, there is a, a lot of that and it's it's frustrating when you know operations get cancelled because there's not space or mm. it's, you know things are really busy um i think you get more of that when you like you said when you become a consultant you get involved with the management mm. so it does it does add more admin to you it's it, yeah, it's just an ongoing thing it's, and you've got it, i think sometimes you forget we've got a huge organization in the nhs and you know lots of management lots of things so it's inevitable like you're going to have this so um yeah, it takes, I, I think, particularly over the last uh, decade or so, things have, you know, got worse. And it does feel like we need a sort of fresh sort of set of eyes on it. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It, I think that's it. It's become such a mess. I think with everything, with, with the NHS, with politics in general, it's become such a, it's all, it's all just an absolute mess. It's like it all needs to be kind of like swept up to one side. And then we're like, we pick out the bits and go, right, let's rebuild this again. You know what I mean? It must yeah. be must be must be so hard. Well, yeah, it's it's like a it's almost like a ball the NHS, and you someone can approach it from their specialty, and they'll always find something. Mm. With it. So, for instance, with anaesthetics, when I so to be an anaesthetist at the moment, what you do is you apply, you do medical school five years, and you do two yeah. years of your first two doctors training, and then you apply for anaesthetics, and you might say, "Well, Ed, you've applied for anaesthetics, you've got in, and that's the end of it." No, you do three years of anaesthetics, right? <laughs> So bear in mind, you've done five, two with another three, that's 10 years. Then you have to apply again for your next stage of tra training. Now, when I applied, there was, um, I think it was something like 1,200 people applied uh, roughly, mm. and they gave about 300 places. Oh so therefore, God. you've got like, you know, yes, seven or 800 people who have chosen to pursue this career who've then kind of just been left out in the court and then they say oh we haven't got enough doctors yeah but that's all on sort of the government deciding how many training places so they've created a bottleneck yet there's still plenty of people who want to come and train so that's just me telling you from my side and then you could pick another specialty or another part of it whether it's you know nursing or physio or you know you'll find things like this and it's and that's a frustrating thing there's all these lots of things that don't make sense in it. the first time that you um Gave someone an anaesthetic. How did you feel? What was happening? Uh, I thought they were faking it. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing is, like, you know, someone goes from talking to you and uh, they uh, and then they basically just don't. And you're like, hello, hello. And then you, there's a test you can do where you just sort of touch the eyelashes to see if there's any reaction. Mm. And there was no, and there was no reaction. I was like, "Oh my goodness, yeah." It is. And then the real giveaway that they're not faking it is they're not breathing, and so that's oh. the one where you're like, "Oh right, okay, okay." <laughs> <laughs> but it's, oh, it's scary because it, it's it's the opposite of what everything else you do. Um, so 
when I started on aesthetics, someone told me it's like going back to medical school again because you um, you kind of relearn everything from a different perspective. So if you know if you went to your GP and they made you unconscious and paralysed you, that would generally be frowned upon. But then yeah. that is our now our day job. So when doing things the opposite. <laughs> Of what was so this is why I, I mean I wrote all this stuff down yeah because I was like oh my god this is fascinating which obviously then I, I put in the book because and the reason was because it was so fascinating to me at that time you know when something's so fascinating to you and you do it again and again and again it gradually becomes less fascinating yeah so I remember just writing down these things and I look back and because you asked me you know what was it like and I do remember writing down just say just saying I thought they were faking it because <laughs> it just looked like it it, it just looked like it to me. Yeah. And so you you learn so much in that first period uh, about the human body as well. I mean, it's, you know, seeing people not breathe for the period of time is terrifying at the start. But then you're like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> Just get used to it. <laughs> it's, it's, is it, were you relieved when they came back round? You're like, oh, that was all right. That went well. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like, Ooh. you're right, you're right, good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> <laughs> Lost you there for a minute, mate. <laughs> I um, I do. There's this lovely story of Dawn French when she she told on Graham Norton, I think, or somewhere, and when she was she was having an operation and she, as she was drifting off, and she said, "Take good care of me. I'm a national treasure." <laughs> and did they say anything? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I just thought it was a nice story. They just kind of, you know, just. <laughs> Take care of me. I'm a national treasure. I know my my <laughs> wife when she had a she had an appendicitis really badly, and you know it was touch and go for a bit whether she was going to come through. When they were putting her under, uh, and then she woke up and she just because have I got a tube? <laughs> have you ever had anything? Anyone say anything that's like just cracks you up? Is there anything that you've gone? Oh my god! And you have to try and keep I, a straight face. I think. I mean, well. Um... I can't remember. I said something to an anaesthetist when I was going under and it made everyone laugh. I was only like five years old or something, but it was something about the anaesthetist themselves. I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, I did remember feeling grateful that I woke up afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I was always being a cheeky kid. But uh, I mean, obviously it's a bit, you know, you lose inhibitions because we're obviously giving drugs and things like Mm. that. So people may say one or two things. Um, we always describe it, some of the drugs we give, we describe it. If you ever had a couple of glasses of wine, they'll say, yes, go, well, we're about to give you something that feels quite similar to that. Yeah. So you'll get people who go, well, this is pretty, yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> and then you'll give the rest of the anaesthetic. So, um, yeah, I, I think the, the most amazing thing I find is that uh, the people say is when they wake up and they're immediately thankful. So, like, mm. you're just, just one second of sleep and they're just like, you're done. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks. You know, like they like they've just had a haircut or something. It's just you know, it's just so matter of fact, and they have no idea what they've just been through. And I was like, no, honestly, thank you. Like, and then you think stuff. Are they going to remember? Thank you, but they're just so grateful. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just start showing them a mirror. There you go. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I do remember when I had kidney stones about ten, ten or so years ago, and I remember getting taken to the hospital, I didn't know what it was. And my, my partner at the time drove me to the hospital. And then I, I ended up hyperventilating because the pain was so bad. And I was, and then I started to buckle in and I was all bent up and I'm on the, they put me on the bed and I'm just kind of, you know, I didn't know what was happening. And then I heard the guy say, he said to the, to the nurse, we're going to have to give him an antispastic injection. And I, because when he said that, I I looked at my then my my then partner and I went, did he did he? And she just went, don't. And I started laughing. I know you shouldn't. <laughs> it's just I'm like I know what I don't think he meant. And it's like a I can't remember what it what it's actually called. It used to be called that. It's like anti. So you were you were having a spasm, were you? Is yeah, I was spasming. So I was all <clears> locked oh, up. Right, so- and he said, we're going to have to give him an antispastic injection. Uh, so probably meant some benzodiazepine or something like that then. Yeah. Just kind and, of, but... but Yeah, and I just laughed, even even though I was in my spent-up state. And he said that, and I'm like, what? And then my wife went, don't. And I went, and I just started laughing. Because <laughs> it was just like, yeah. it was just so out of the blue. <laughs> I know what he meant, and it, it probably what used to be called that, but... Yeah, 
I said antispasmodic. Something like that, maybe. Oh, maybe no, he said anti. I'm sure he said antispastic. And it just made me cool. laugh. You sure they this were a doctor? Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there's lots of there's lots of fakery going on. You just need to be. I mean, the thing is, you, you go into maternity and you're you're a dad, as you were saying. I bet you did you put on scrubs? I did. Yeah, you, I did. you could have just walked around and just said, yeah, look, I'm one of the doctors. So, And you're going, oh, well, really? <laughs> I thought it was weird. We were actually in the car park. <laughs> just this dude walking around giving people injections. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did have scrubs on. And, yeah, it did. It was, I did. I said to my wife, I was going, look, I'm going to say scalpel. Yeah, you should moonlight as a surgeon. That's what you should do, definitely. It's like, a, yeah. God. Just walking around, just 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 signing things. Yeah, 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 fine. Yeah, signing yeah. signing people's notes. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so that's you do... thing, so technically, you can prescribe on anything. You could you so like you could get a serviette or a piece of toilet paper or something, and you could write you know, like sort of whatever drug you wanted, and then a doctor signs it, and that's technically a prescription you can take in. <clears throat> they would generally oh, wow. kind of review that, but it, it, it you can do that. I don't know if it goes so far as body parts that so you could sign someone's arm, you know, sort of 50 tramadol or something like that, and then you take that. You go, yeah, look, it says here, you know, got it tattooed. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I, but I did always think, like, especially because, uh, you know, and I had the book come out and stuff, people wanted you to sign books and the stuff. But I was always thought, you know, what if they write, like, you know, some tramadol above it and then take that to a, a pharmacist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. prescribed it, you know. <laughs> Mate. Yeah, you just just write anything. This isn't. Are you sure? This is your own <laughs> mother. Yeah, but look, he's written on her. See. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um... So you, so how long have you been doing comedy for? So I started. So I, I had such a huge love for comedy when I was younger. My brother used to take me when I was a kid to. Um, so from Nottingham, so he used to go to Just the Tonic in Nottingham. Oh yeah, he used to sneak me in and stuff. Um, and then what happened was I went to uh, med school and I carried. I, I I did a couple of shows, like just sort of you know, sort of studenty shows. And then when I got to med school, I, I tried to do as much, but I was up in Aberdeen. So I was coming down to like the stand doing like spots there and things like that. And then uh, I came down in 2016 to back to the UK and I, I uh, then had a proper go at being able to do it. Because it was in yeah, Aberdeen's lovely, but it's like two hours away from anywhere else sort of thing. So, yes. you know, very there wasn't as much going on at that time. So but the thing was, at that time, um, when I was at med school, I had a, a gig down south um, and I asked if I could go just have a day off. And they said, called me into the office and I thought they were going to say, oh, it's great because they like you to do all the extracurricular activities and all these things. Um, and they called me into the office and basically I've got an absolute rollicking for wanting to take a day off to go and do a comedy gig. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, okay. wow. So they were very against it. 
very, very against it. And so when I came down, I had, was doing that first two years as doctor and I thought I, sh- I can't mention it because if people know, you mm. know, they're going to. So I was moonlighting. I was doing like a gig and then a night shift. And oh, wow. I was doing <laughs> trying to fit in as much as possible. And um, and then what happened was in 2016, I got um, it was the Leicester Mercury I got nominated for. So that's kind of when things started to and I stopped like pretending to hide it and it was one of the uh cons- uh, consultants had seen something on uh about me or cv and he, he accosted me i thought oh no i'm gonna get i'm gonna get absolutely royals again and he just said oh why didn't i know about this why didn't you tell me you know i'm in a i'm playing abandoned stuff and oh, I was wow. like, All right. well i thought it wasn't frowned upon he said no 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 i'd much rather work with someone that i knew did other things than just medicine but i really feel that i was in between a time you know a time where it wasn't sort of seen that you could do other things in medicine. You dedicated your entire life to it and stuff. Whereas like now I think they see there's been such a huge burnout and, you know, they want to kind of encourage people to maintain a work-life balance and a giving sort of flexible training. Cause you know, full time in the NHS is 48 hours for a doctor. So right. you get part time, you know, some people that's 40 hours, that's still full time in the other part yeah, of the yeah. rest of the world. So it was really that moment when they, they said, you know, why haven't you told me about it? I suddenly thought, oh, I can, I can yeah. be open about it. So then I started doing stuff. Then I went to the Fringe, took up a show, and then I did started doing other things as well. So it was really from that moment, um, it went, it went up from there. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's, it's, see, isn't it funny? It just takes one person to go, wait, listen, we don't, and then it just, just for a couple of years now, yeah. you, you were just creeping around, and, and yeah, it's such yeah, a shame. <laughs> there was a gig, um, I had uh not it wasn't too far away from where I was working and it was the first time I turned up to this gig so you know when you just starting out you obviously just wanted to kind of get as much as possible and there were three people in the audience and it turned out that all three were doctors that I worked with they had no idea <laughs> I did this and I just saw them from a height and then uh, I had to say to the promoter I said I can't do it I can't do it and it didn't matter because they had like 12 acts on or something mm. like that and he was like, he said, that's absolutely fine if you want to. But I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. done it then. But all, all that pressure. But I, I say, you know, I, I've juggled both. But a lot of people ask, oh, you know, would you choose one or the other? But for me, it really is that they both balance each other out. And I miss one and the other if, I, if I'm not doing this. So, and I say this quite frequently, like, comedy makes me a better doctor anyway. Yeah. You know, definitely in terms of, you know, you think of the things you're dealing with, you know, pressurized situations, communication, building rapport with people, you know, all that kind of thing builds in. And, and I de- definitely noticed it. And of course, when, you know, a couple of years ago, when we all kind of, you know, couldn't do gig, I certainly felt that as well, you know, that because it was almost, it, it was a, balance of me that had gone mm. and even now I've started to uh, just die a few things down because I've got like another anesthetics exam and even then I can feel it inside me you know it's just there's an imbalance yeah <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's uh, the thing is with comedy once you once you've done it once and I said this before you always know whether you want to do it again for whether it's gone good or bad there's and it's just something it's just a, a switch that gets flicked and you just, and then it, it, you've, and then it just becomes. Even when I'm not thinking about comedy, when I'm doing something else, there's a bit of my brain that's just collecting and and thinking up. It's like comedy exists within me now. Yeah. And it, and well, while the, I'm doing something else, you know, it's a funny thing. But it's it's also the things you never question. Like I look back now, and the things uh, you did. Like I remember driving from Aberdeen to Manchester, which mm. is what six hours for a competition gig. And about halfway there, I suddenly thought to myself, if this doesn't go well, I've done 12 hours round trip. <laughs> no pay. You might yeah. get through, but it's no pay. And it's like, wow, that is... But it never even occurred to me no. what, like, you know, what it was going. It, it, all, the, all the gigs that you would do where you might get a bit of money, but it would never, it would never cover the cost of any travel. Or anything <laughs> like that. You know, you're, you're putting yourself out there. And I think that's, that's a sign when you're doing those things... And you don't even question it, and you know th- there's a bigger picture in your head. I think that's you know when you're like, okay, I've, I think I've got the bug. Yeah, it is that. It's that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Leeds for a day, just up, like you say, five hours in the car, twenty minutes on stage, back in the car, 
and you just and you just go, yeah, that's just that's just what 20, I do. Twenty five quid. Twenty five quid. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even. A, it's not even. What is that? It's not even that penny a mile. I don't know. No, it's not even a yeah. penny a mile. It's like <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what we do. But why? Why medicine? What got you into medicine? Um, I think I really like the thing I really loved was uh, so I did biology before so I didn't go straight into medicine mm. and I loved and still do love parasites like I love oh, them really? and yeah because the thing is when you look at like infections or diseases and stuff and you know like viruses or bacteria they're all the same they all look the same you know microscope and all that kind of thing but parasites are like a world of monsters Yes. And they all look different. So you've got like ticks, you've got worms, you've got, you know, other stuff like bed bugs or mm. you've got malaria, which is like protozoa. So and it, it was fascinating. And then also it's real practical sort of hands-on being able to look at stuff. Um, so I, I was, I went to the London School of Tropical Medicine and which was like super cool, like, mm. doing, you know, in this lab and like looking at things. So at that point, you know, someone could give me a blood sample. I could look down it and then tell you what, not not just that it was malaria, but what kind of malaria it was. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is this is cool. I've lost all those skills, so I haven't done it for a while. But anyway, the point was I could have done it. <laughs> um, and then uh, part of that I went to China um, as a project looking at uh, worms and children. And so I did a project which I, I, would, I would say wouldn't have got off the ground in the UK, which mm. was going to schools, asking children to give me um, portions of poo. Uh, in little boxes and then I would take them away and I'd look at them under a microscope and I don't know why but I just don't feel that would have taken off in the UK but no, I went to um, so yes yeah, so, yeah. so I went to I went to these two different districts and collected them from the schools and obviously I didn't speak the language so I had to kind of ask the teachers to translate who were just side-eyeing me like who's this weird foreigner coming in collecting <laughs> shit um and then we'd store it in just a fridge, just a normal fridge, which the other lab workers there would just put their lunch in next to, which no. always fascinates me as well. So, so um, space was a premium there. So um, <laughs> they, so I then spent days and days looking under the microscope. <clears throat> and one region was like a city region, didn't have any um, worms in or any problem. Then mm. the, the rural one did. And then I, the, so obviously like wrote this up. And obviously the process after that is about treatment. And then you go on from, from that. And I realized that it was great doing what I did, but, you know, I really was interested in the sort of diagnosis and then the treating side of things as well. And that was a stretch uh, beyond what I was doing. And I was actually working in London at the tropical medicine alongside some doctors as well who were, who were doing the course too. So I was like, wow, oh, this is fascinating. Maybe I'll look into it. So then I started looking into it, had a little bit of, um, work experience, and then just never look back from that moment. Really, I was just like, "Yeah, this is this wow. is it." Wow, what what is it about parasites that, that is it just because it's because it is it's, they're actual creatures and things, and they like, say a world of monsters. Is it that kind yeah, of? Yeah, I, oh. I can show you pictures of parasites, and you'll be like, "Oh man!" I mean, there might be microscopic ones, but they mm. look. I mean, if they were ten times as big, you'd be like, "Gee, you know." I mean, some of them you look at now, like like bed bugs and stuff they're scary looking things yeah yeah but it's just the variety as well you, you know you've got schistosomiasis and you know the gap yard disease everyone comes back with after having swum swim in various lakes all right um or, or, or giardia as well you know the one that basically gives you uh the stinkiest poos known to man sort of thing <laughs> so that kind of um you know it's, it's all these things uh it was just the wide variety and i feel like compared to other path pathogens so like like i said with viruses or you know even one of the things we even studied there was uh like bot flies so you know the ones that burrow into the skin you yeah, know, yeah, yeah as well or, or, or we even went to the london um i think it was the natural history museum i think it was where we had a talk about uh decomposition and bodies and what what flies and bugs go in at certain times and how forensics mm. get involved with that sort of thing so that was like oh, wow you know so every single day was something interesting yeah and um and also it's quite it was quite relevant as well because we we did lots of um and that course we did lots of scenarios and one of them was oh there's going to be so you, you were a group and you had to work together 
uh, and you were sort of you were sort of seen as government and you were given a scenario that there was an outbreak somewhere in the world somewhere like guinea or something like that you know somewhere with where it wasn't quite as you know the news wasn't getting through and then it started mm. to spread and what would you do who would you approach and so and, and so it was a pandemic play out basically so it was quite it was quite interesting doing those side of things as well especially with everything that's gone in the last couple of years but i can definitely say that the lack of jaffa cakes in our government uh, did you know probably contributed to them i think th- that was the winning formula for us yeah through that <laughs> the humble jaffa cake saving lives <laughs> I um I it's that it's it's the, it's like the the parasite that becomes the tongue of the fish, you know. It's, is that a parasite? Is that think that thing that gets oh, in the I fish? Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So, and then what, it be- so yeah, that. Yeah, so so I don't know what that's called, but yeah, so that's the other thing is is the world the animal world of parasites as well. Mm. That's the other interesting thing, and then you've got the kind of mythological parasites too, like the kangaroo. You know the kangaroo? No. I might not be pronouncing that right, but it's the it's the fish that would supposedly swim up your pea stream and into yeah, yeah. into the mountains. Yeah, is that not real? Because that that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> I, I've I've done um, like like most people who um, do serious research. I've done some googling, mm. and it doesn't. Um, I think it's slightly more mythological, and I think some people have tried to look into it as to whether they would have the propulsion to be able to get up. So, I think the jury's still out on it, uh, but there might be ways they get in some other way anyway. But yeah, I don't, it's, it's always been a story. But I have to say, like years ago, I heard about this, like yeah, as, you know, the, the fish that would swim up. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if how it's, if it's gone through old wives' tales, and it's just like, oh yeah, you know, we've got to be careful because I think you know when you're a kid and like you know if you pee into a stream, you're like, oh my goodness, there might be parasite yeah. in there. So <laughs> that was that was what it was. And suddenly now, literally now, when you just said that, you go, oh yeah, well, how would it get up if the stream's coming out? That's quite powerful. How is it going to? It'd have to have some strength to push itself up and into into yeah. you. Well, did you see the recent uh, Planet Earth with no. David David Attenborough? Don't you know him? He's a national treasure. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, the, vaguely. <laughs> yeah, the, um, <laughs> save me! I'm a national treasure. Um, uh, so he he did uh, well. There was a part in it about fish which uh, would spit uh, no spit on leaves and knock mm. off insects into the water, which were their name. But then there was another one where they would swim out and jet up to the leaf and just grab it. So it would just sort of slam dunk down onto it. So wow. it does make you think that if they got enough of a, if they got enough of a run underwater before they exited the water, they might have. The yeah, propulsion. maybe, maybe, but then you're dealing with the power of the urine coming out, which I guess on a, on a microscopic level would be the equivalent of us trying to swim up Niagara Falls. Yeah, well, I guess it depends how your flow rate is, isn't it? So I guess if you if you haven't got if you haven't got the flow rates, <laughs> anyway, we've changed. We, we, this this episode is going to change people from getting their pod, getting their prostates checked to seeing if they've got a fish swimming up. <laughs> always get if you can check your prostate, lads. Always make sure make sure you you've got a good stream. And if your prostate is fine, then check yeah. if there's a fish in there. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, if your prostate if prostate is fine, yeah, check if there's a fish up there. <laughs> this is the thing. This is all this this is this all these conversations go towards helping us with our mental health. Like something like that. Like it, 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 every time I've been near a river or I've been in a river, I've always been like, oh, that's, there's that thing that swims up your willy. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> and and like, get... they, they, like they seek it out. Like we just, they just assume, you just assume that when you get in, there's some sort of pher- pheromone that goes off from the groin area. <laughs> and it, it, suddenly all the fish who would just pull them out just suddenly go, like that, you know, the piranha thing where they just go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a willy. It could be, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love I love dicks. I'm going to swim up one. <laughs> love swimming up dicks. That's see. This is what and this, now see now this conversation means that the next time I'm in a river, I will have that thought process of there's that thing that swims up your dick, and then I'll go. But no, it doesn't because Ed Ed Patrick said that that's probably rubbish. So <laughs> yeah, probably rubbish. Yeah. So now I'm now I'm fine. Now I'm like oh, I, right, I, okay. I hope. 
I really hope that after this podcast, someone transcribes it. And on the Google search, when someone says, does the kangaroo do it? There's a quote from me saying, Ed Patrick says it probably doesn't. That's what I want. <laughs> That's, that is my calling. <laughs> See, everybody wants a paper published, be, but you're going to have, have a quote. <laughs> a, a quote that will make it into the Daily Mail at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, and this, you know, now my mental health is now eased. So this is, this is, this is helped. This, <laughs> App actually transcribes the, the whole podcast. This this Riverside. Oh right. Yeah, AI does it. This they work with AI, and so I do another podcast, but called "But Please Don't Panic," which is about B movies and things. And we were doing it last night, and then uh, Wellesley, who I who's my I co-host with, sent me what the what AI had said, and it's brilliant. It's, so the quote will there will be a quote, Ed. It's going to be out in the out in the ether. It's going to be out. And it's going to be misspelled, and it's going to implicate. I said something else. Yeah, it's going to. It's just going to have. It's going to take a mixture of what we've just spoken about, and it'll be just like cocaine fish. You be <laughs> cocaine fish. Ed Patrick loves the Daily Mail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, but that I that's okay. So I feel better now. That's lovely. Well, you see, you never know with these conversations but, where they're going to go. You yeah. don't know what you're going to debunk. I think that might be the first thing we've had debunked on here. Yeah, well, I, I, I hope I've got some... Uh, I hope I'm right about it anyway, but that is what I've, I've found about it. But, yeah, it goes back to saying, like, there's just so many fascinating things I found about mm. parasites, which it's got it in there. So, And then similarly, that's what I found about anaesthetics as well. You know, you're using, you know, lots of strong, cool drugs. Like, I always talk about this one. I guess this sort of feeds in the sort of, to the sort of tropicalness of parasites as well, is that... So we use things called muscle relaxants, uh, which paralyze people. So they're right. drugs that, you know, if you or I had one right now, we wouldn't be able to move at all. We wouldn't be able to breathe, oh, but wow. we'd be conscious. Mm. Yeah. So when people talk about having anesthetic awareness, um, there's a risk of that happening if you're having surgery that would need you to be paralyzed, but mm. there isn't enough anesthetics. That's what people are talking about with that. So it's not uh so so that's the yeah that's anesthetic side of things but the uh but the drug itself the story i find brilliant so there was a guy i think it was the 1800s um called charles waterton and he knew that surgery was having some difficulty back in the time you know cause we had anesthetic but you give too mm. much anesthetic to someone to make them not move then they you know there's problems with that you could cause you know ill health with that way as well yeah. so there's lots of problems going on people weren't staying still for the operations surgeons very annoyed about that and he'd been in the uh forests uh and with seeing with indigenous tribes using arrows to catch animals and obviously right. the poison on the arrows which was curare so he realized that and he took that poison and in those days you had to demonstrate in front of people how this works so he got yeah. a group of people together and he got three donkeys and he basically gave uh said to everyone right look at this this is what happens he injected donkey one with curare and donkey one died and then he tied a band around the leg of donkey two so like a tourniquet injected the curare beneath it and then donkey two lived i assume everyone cheered and he took the band off and then donkey two died right and donkey three who was shitting himself at this point, yeah. <laughs> uh, he injected with Carare, paralyzed the donkey. And then somehow, I don't know how they did this, but mechanically ventilated the donkey until the Carare wore off. And then donkey three lived. And wow. that's how that drug came about. Now, every single muscle relaxant we use now is based on that poison, which I just find fascinating. That is incredible. I love that. I love things like that. Because it's always yeah. like, who was the first person to go... Actually, if you did that, th then that would happen. You know, it's a conversation like who was the first person to eat an egg? You know, it's that kind of conversation. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing we have to bear in mind is that clinical trials weren't as uh, weren't as conscripted back then to sort of hum humane humanity conditions. No, or something. No. So they, you know, they could pretty much do what they did then. So uh, I, I'm not sure that he could run that experiment in 2023. <laughs> no. 
No, no, no. I don't think that, it would have got around the donkey world. to be like, no, that don't go near that fella. Yeah, it, it'd be a bit like be like me trying to pitch the study I did in China in the UK, basically. <laughs> yeah, what a what? Collect, can they collect the, the, the poo of children? What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but then I'm going to keep it in a fridge. Okay, what a special fridge for for the poo of people? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Just the fridge. <laughs> the lunch fridge. The lunch fridge. <laughs> So you're not going to get another fridge? No, no, no. I'll just use that one. <laughs> get off me. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, yeah, things like that fascinate me. And I didn't even know that. So of course, yeah. So when you get a, a general anaesthetic, you'll then have to be ventilated to keep you breathing. Sometimes. So right. sometimes if you're having surgery that doesn't require you to, so for instance, if you're having abdominal surgery, you've got lots of muscles in there. Um, and the surgeons would need that being paralyzed so they could get in there. Whereas if you're having something done to your finger or something less than that, then you could just give an anesthetic without using muscle relaxant. And at that right. point, you can give an anesthetic, and then what would happen is that would uh, cause the patient to stop breathing. Uh, but at some point, the physiological response would alter and the patient will start breathing for themselves while still being... Um, uh, and anaesthetized, so you can mm. can still have that, but you would help wow. along the way essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed, this has been brilliant. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> it's been a great chat. I really, I really <laughs> enjoyed this. Um, so, are you? Are you? What? So, are you plugging? What are you plugging? Let's plug that. Let's do what you're plugging. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I, so I'm going on tour. Yes. So, uh, next year. So I've got. Uh, so I did a show at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. And it was brilliant. So I did a I did a run at the stand, the Newtown Theatre, and it was just so much fun. Brilliant. And you know what it's like. One thing leads to another. So it was that, and then that led to the tour. And as I mentioned, I've got a uh, a massive anaesthetics ball ache exam I've got to get through. So oh, mate. to stop the FOMO, to stop the FOMO, and stop that <laughs> feeling I get when I don't do comedy, <laughs> I've booked a tour which uh, we are doing next year. Um, it starts in February, technically. So we've got um, the Leicester Comedy Festival. That's on February the 11th. Brilliant. And then uh, in uh, April and May, we go all around the country. So we go to places like uh, Newcastle, Glasgow, Edinburgh, all the stands there. We've got Brighton Comedia. We've got the uh, Cheltenham Everyman Theatre. We're doing Bath, the Rondo Theatre. And we're doing, uh, I think that's most of them, we're doing like nine or ten dates. And then it all culminates at the Comedy Store in London on May the 6th. Fantastic. That'll be the final short show, yeah. That's great, Ed. No, lovely so work, buy man. tickets. Please buy tickets. I think, as you can, as you've heard from Ed today, it's going to be a brilliant show. It's just been a brilliant chat. You've got a book out as well. Yeah. Yes, the, so yeah. the book is the same name as the tour as well. So Catch Your Breath is a book, so that's out. And so if you come to the show, you will... Uh, appreciate more of the book but the the show's actually a different story so for mm. people who have read the book there's some there's something for everyone what i'm trying to say is there's 400 tickets available at the comedy <laughs> store so if people could make that like an any waiting room and pack that out that'd be fantastic <laughs> excellent and where can we find you on the socials ed uh, you can find me. So my socials are at Palmer Patrick. So like Palmer Ham. And that is because when I was at university, um, there was some Palmer Ham uh, on sale at Tesco reduced. I bought that. But despite that reduction, it was seen as a luxury buy by my flatmates. And I was therefore known as Palmer Patrick on, uh, <laughs> onwards. So I, I've, I've embraced it. I've embraced it. I am Palmer Patrick. Uh, at every social media you can possibly imagine. Excellent, excellent. Uh, not Blue Sky, though. No, well, I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing to clutter your mind with. Uh, Ed, exactly. thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Good luck with the tour. Good luck with the exams. Good luck with everything. Um, I'm sure that we'll get along to a show. But thank you so much. And producer Paul is there. This has been Insane in the Membrane. This has been Ed Patrick. I've been Rich Wilson. We'll see you next time. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.